0: Hey, friends. Welcome to Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous. I'm your host, Julia. And on today's show, Sarah Gage is here and we are talking The Morning Show. The Morning Show is an Apple Plus original, which first aired on November 1st, 2019. The show stars Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, Steve Carell, Billy Crudup, and Mark Duplass, just to name a few. Apple calls this show an unapologetically candid drama that looks at the modern workplace through the lens of the people who help wake America up. Pull back the curtain on early morning TV. At this point, I want to take a moment to say the topics discussed today will deal with sexual misconduct, sexual abuse and rape. We understand these topics can be difficult to discuss or to hear discussions about. So if you are not ready, now is the time to duck out. Additionally, there is mention of the Mandalay Bay shooting in Las Vegas. Again, we want to be mindful and respectful of where you are as listeners. So now's the time to jump ship if you're not ready for these. Season one opens with the announcement of longtime anchor Mitch Kessler, played by Steve Carell, being terminated from his position after numerous allegations of sexual misconduct have surfaced. The news breaks before the morning show airs, with the cast and crew shocked by the announcement. In the wake, co-host Alex Levy, played by Jennifer Aniston, tells the story to their loyal TMS audience. In a review from NPR, October of 2019, Eric Deggan states, The morning show is stylish and fast-paced, the biggest project among nine original programs kicking off the new Apple TV Plus service. An article from December of 2019 posted on the slate claims, The morning show is glossy and expensive. The series is a giant, faultlessly tasteful gift box filled mostly with packing peanuts. While the critics were mixed in the reviews of the show, audience acceptance, at least according to Rotten Tomato has been positive. Before we dive into the discussion, let me introduce you to my guest. Sarah Gage is an entertainment journalist who reviews original streaming movies and series. She is the (laughs) founder and editor of Coco's Buzz blog and has written for Screen Rant and Gather. She also co-hosts the long-running pop culture podcast Coco and Daltz and previously co-hosted the entertainment podcast Straight to Hell. Sarah received her bachelor's degree in English from Truman State University and also studied at the London School of Economics. When she's not binging the latest Netflix series, you can find her hiking or hanging out at a coffee shop or a wine bar. Same, Sarah. Absolutely same. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. I think that's why we get along so well. We seem
1: to. (laughs) Wine and coffee. Yes, please. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I got my coffee over here and it's five o'clock somewhere. So yes.
0: <laughs> that's what I always do. I'm always like, is what time does the clock say? It's 345 on a Saturday. I think I can open a bottle of wine now. It's totally fine. So also tell me a little bit about the Spencer Quinn book series you discovered, Bernie and Chet?
1: Yeah, so uh, Spencer Quinn is apparently a pseudonym for the author, I believe his name is Peter Abrams, Mm. he's, I guess he's a writer of some renown, I don't read as much as I should, so I never heard of him, but I discovered a book series he's written, I believe the first one was published in 2009, so Bernie is a sort of down-on-his-luck private detective, and Chet is his dog, and the whole series is written from the dog's point of view, so so it's really, I accidentally discovered them in a used bookstore, we were just talking about Amazon versus not Amazon, Yeah, I was in a used bookstore in Vermont, and I saw the spine of one of the books that said Paw and Order,
0: and I was like,
1: because all the, all the titles are like, you know, honey like that and I was yeah. like, what the heck is paw in order and I picked it up and I read the back and I was like I gotta get this book so I got like the first eight I think they're up to 16 now 15 oh, or wow. 16 so I'm only halfway through the second um but because it's been a summer but yeah, yeah I can if you like dogs and you like mysteries what I can recommend is um because the human's name is Bernie I picture him as Bernie Sanders yes <laughs> So it was like Bernie Sanders getting in a bar fight with some bikers and like doing like the neck <laughs> chop and, like, and then you can hear his like gruff voice speaking all the dialogue. So that's made it, that's made it even more entertaining. Oh my gosh.
0: That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, we'll have totally. to check that out. I'll add that to my queue.
1: Definitely. There are, and they're easy to get through. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome.
0: <laughs> okay. Let's dive in. So just right. again, listeners, there's gonna be spoilers. So this is your yeah. one and only warning.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I love spoilers. So I'm glad somebody else is with me on spoilers. <laughs> oh, good, 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 good. This
0: is one of Apple's first attempts at original content for their streaming platform. I want to start by talking about our general thoughts on the show, concept plot, storytelling mechanisms, themes, et cetera. What are your initial thoughts on the story that unfolds during season one of the morning show?
1: I liked it. I didn't love it. I thought it worked best the last few episodes Mm -hmm. when they really kind of focused. I mean, the whole season was like the Me Too stuff with Steve Carell's character. But at like the last three episodes, when they did a flashback to when he still actually worked there and just like showing that dynamic of him and everybody who worked there and how everybody was so complicit right right? and then the last couple episodes after that where even though Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon were coming at it from like with different motivations they were both trying to work together not together they were both trying to work to like get the truth out in some ways yeah and so I thought at the end when the show kind of hit that stride and focused on that like it was really good like before that, like things kind of felt a little muddled, especially with the Steve Carell character, like the first few episodes, it seemed like they're trying to make us sympathize with him or something. And I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. And then the Reese Witherspoon character was just so unlikable the first few episodes. When we
0: first we meet Reese Witherspoon, she's, you know, covering a coal protest or yeah. rally. It's like, is it both? <laughs> Probably, I don't know. Right. And she's just like going <laughs> off on people. But I agree with you in the sense that I think the reason why I kept going. So it's like, it's going to pick up at some point, like we're going to get answers at some point, but to wait seven episodes before you get to something
1: feels Mm -hmm. kind of mean. (laughs) And they're long episodes too. Like they're like an hour, yeah, and a couple of the episodes are over an hour and it's not mm-hmm. like Ted Lasso where it's 30 minutes and you can just like bang it out like that. Like yeah. there's a lot packed into each hour. So I was it's, I didn't know that. So
0: <laughs> it's heavy content too, like you say cuz we're dealing with me too, the me too, the sexual misconduct, mm-hmm. you know, all these different things and it's all that stuff is so nuanced and heavy. So if you
1: have like that experience personally, getting through the show might be really hard. And even if you don't, like, I'm very fortunate I don't have that experience. But the eighth episode when the incident happens mm-hmm. between Steve Carell's character and, oh, what's the name of the actress who plays Hannah? I th- Gugu M- Mbatha-Raw, I think is how yeah, you say it. that's, I think most, if not all of us, have been in a situation that could have been, could mm-hmm. have gone the way it went for her character. And me just... I was just like so tense, like watching that scene. I was just like, oh God, oh God. That was, I felt a very, a very good depiction of things that aren't just straightforward. A guy snatches a woman behind a bar and drags her into an alley, you know?
0: So I think that's a lot of the, or at least in the 90s, that was a lot of how that kind of concept, not that kind of concept, but that was a lot of how you're going to get assaulted was portrayed to us as mm-hmm. young women. It's like this whole go in groups, walk it, you know, strength in mm-hmm. numbers. Don't go to the bathroom by yourself. You right. know, carry your keys. keys. You. Yeah.
1: Yes. yeah,
0: totally. And then this kind of shows it's aggressive, but it's not that kind of aggressive. It's a little bit mm-hmm. more
1: nuanced. It's a little bit there's grooming involved, right? And the whole show is about power mm-hmm. and who has it and who doesn't. Like there's a scene with Yanko played by Nester Carbonell and Claire I think her name is Belle Powley and uh, so he's a person of color and she's a white British girl and he's twice her age and he's the weatherman and she's a PA and she's like well my family could buy you and your whole family like 10 times over and I'm like did the white girl have to say that though? Right. Like, you know? Like, and it's uh, not that, and you know,
0: when it comes to the place of business, that kind of power almost doesn't work in this scenario. I felt right. like, mm-hmm. yeah. Like she was missing the point of like, no, he's the one who's gonna be perceived, especially in the wake of Mitch Kessler, he's mm-hmm. the one who's gonna be perceived as being this predator because she's mm-hmm. young and beautiful and you know, he's old and not, I mean, he's handsome, but like, if if in comparison, in the sense of like, (laughs) like, all these guys are doing all these terrible things are not attractive men. Right.
1: Yeah. Why did he have to have so much eyeliner on though? Like the the guy liner just killed me. Yeah. I was like, I, I'm glad you brought that up because the whole time I'm like, is that, does he really have,
0: like, I couldn't, I was struggling. So I'm like, do you really have that thick of eyelashes
1: or did they enhance it with something? I can't tell. Right, totally. That was, I'll say that, like that killed me every time they wake up at 3.30 and the camera pans to Jennifer Aniston and she turns off her alarm and everybody still has old school alarms. Like, you know, yes. like almost nobody's using their phone as their alarm. And I'm like, what century are we in? But like, they've all got perfect makeup mm-hmm. and, you know, then they go and they get on like the Stairmaster and I'm like, Okay. <laughs> like you can you cannot wear the lipstick and the eyeliner to bed you can still look like you don't yeah. have makeup on with wearing makeup and not showing the full face but
0: I did struggle with the timeline because I'm like okay if you're waking up at three thirty, 30 the show goes on at 7 right. so how are you fitting all of
1: this stuff in in the morning <laughs> totally unless you're doing 10 minutes on the treadmill which why bother you know I mean right. I guess it's better than nothing but all you're doing is working off like your coffee like the half cup of skim you put in your coffee or whatever
0: right (laughs) it's hard to talk about this show without talking about the relationships presented you mentioned yanko and claire alex and mitch are the 15-year veteran anchors of this show chip black played by mark duplas who i love is their longtime producer billy crudup who's another one that i love plays Corey ellison the vp of news and entertainment Reese Witherspoon plays Bradley Jackson, an infield reporter who's plucked out of obscurity when Hannah Schoenfeld, played by Gugu Mbatha Raw, and I apologize if I said that incorrectly. I've only ever read it in print or on, ti- you know, titles. I've never actually heard anybody say it before. Me too. <laughs> Discovers her viral video at a coal mining rally. Also for British entertainment fans or pirate of the Caribbean fans. Jack Davenport plays Jason Craig. Coupling is an amazing show. If you've never seen it, Alex Levy's estranged husband. So Jason Craig is Alex Levy's estranged husband. Mindy Kaling plays Audra. She's the co-host of the rival early morning show, new show. This show is stacked with talent, as we have mentioned
1: Yeah.
0: in an interview with the Indie wire, when asked about her personal relationship and how the Alex and Bradley dynamic on the show didn't resemble Thelma and Louise or the all about Eve relationships, Witherspoon said, you know, there's 7,000 different relationships that women have with each other. And this is just one of those 7,000 that's never been explored. I want to start there is this relationship between Alex Levy and Bradley Jackson one we have never really seen before on television?
1: I don't think so. <laughs> I, I I, mean, I understand what she's saying from like, these two people haven't played these two characters specifically, but I'm like, in the whole history of entertainment, we've had workplace comedies, we've had workplace dramas, we've had uh, female buddy comedies, we've had female you know, at each Which, other's throats. Reese Witherspoon
0: you know. totally did a buddy cop movie
1: with Sofia Vergara. Yeah. So, so like I read that when you sent it over and I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit. I was like, okay, drumming up interest for her you know, yeah. Apple TV plus thing. I mean, I mean, even have we seen a morning show show? No, but Not we've seen show, like sports there, night. There's a yeah. movie
0: that, um, Morning Glory with- Yeah, Rachel McAdams. Thank you.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) And I love that movie. It's so cute. Mm -hmm. But that's, I think that's kind of the only, and that's more light, more romantic comedy kind of situation. They don't really, Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't really deal with the depths or go into the deep inner workings of like, yes, there's a little office politics in Morning Morning Glory, but not to the extent of the morning show. Mm Mm-hmm because it's intense. Like Alex Levy is in this position where, so we find out that she's potentially on going to be like forced out. They don't want her on like the producer, not the producers, but the president of the network doesn't want her anymore. Her numbers are dropping, blah, blah, blah. She literally is saved from being fired because Mitch Kessler is exposed.
1: (laughs) It took a sexual like misconduct scandal for a guy to lose his job they've been there the same amount of time like they're the same age it's not you know yeah
0: which is wild to me because instead of working with her to say and she's got this big ego and at first I was like okay so you're a big star and you know so you're you know falling into that but then as we see her relationship with her husband and her daughter and how she kind of I thought Manipulates them to stay to support her, but she's not supporting them in any way in return. Like mm-hmm. she's the most important in the relationship, and she time right. and time again displays behaviors that suggest that. Mm-hmm. And then her husband's fight, fi- and he's I just first of all I love that actor because coupling is amazing. <laughs> oh yeah, it's so good. <laughs> but then he finally just kind of is just like I can't. This isn't. It's. You feel the imbalance and you feel for him like he should be loved. And she's just like, no, you have to love me and support me. I mean, Mm -hmm. she doesn't act like that in that sense, but
1: you know, she bailed on her own fundraiser. Like she was hosting a party and she bailed on it because she had to go talk to Mitch for something. I don't even remember why she wanted to talk to him. And they were like riding around in his car. And- Which, aren't you worried about getting caught? Like in this right. day and
0: age, I feel like I have a cell phone in my hand. You do too. Everybody does. We saw, we saw Adam Sandler in person one time at the Grove in LA and everybody on the trolley had their cameras out trying to sneak a pic. Right. <laughs> and that's more open, <laughs> but still uh-huh. it's like, I, I, it's been a while since I've been to New York city, but I'm assuming people are going to be like, at least tourists aren't desensitized to celebrities walking around everywhere.
1: Right, Uh uh-huh. And, okay, let me just say a quick pet peeve. Every time anybody was riding in their car on that show, nobody ever stopped at stoplights. They were just going straight down fifth Avenue from uptown to downtown. Like nobody ever hit a light. Like, and I was just like, when are they going to stop? Like, this is so unrealistic. Like what's going on? There's traffic. There's traffic. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's New York. Come on. You pull off onto a side street and you're just sitting there and the car is idling. And I mean, unless you have tinted windows, which might be illegal, I'm not sure. But like, yeah, somebody's going to be walking down the street at like, nine, 10 o'clock at night. Cause it's New York and mm-hmm. they're going to be like, Hey, wait a minute. that's. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And if gossip girl taught us anything, <laughs> people are going to snap photos and not tell you. So I don't know if it was intentional to give Mitch as much as t- attention in the show as they did. And we'll kind of touch on that in a little bit, mm-hmm. but I thought the relationship was interesting because, you know, she's so devastated by his actions, but you get the sense that she understands what's going on, but she's ignoring it, which Mm -hmm. I feel like in a work environment where you don't feel supported is pretty typical. So there's a lot there in that situation where she's like, you know, she knows, but then also she's not addressing it because she is on thin ice too. So if she Mm -hmm. brings it up, what's that going to do to her? So I thought that kind of dynamic was, to me, it felt true to how sometimes these things and not just necessarily when it comes to m- misconduct, but in general, when there's something not right going on in an office environment, there's that fear mm-hmm. with staff to be like, well, I don't want to be the whistleblower. I've got bills to pay.
1: Right, exactly. And I thought, even though in the season finale, um, she did admit on air, like, yeah, I knew it was going on and I didn't want to say anything because I wanted to keep my job. In the first few episodes when she was like, denying that you know oh what happened I didn't know I I thought that it was it seemed realistic to me so little story here so a few years ago I worked with a guy who got caught on tape doing very inappropriate things so because not getting caught is
0: unfortunate but him doing them is unfortunate
1: Yeah. yeah and I mean there's no denying you know there's it's on tape and even though he and I didn't have the 15 year relationship that Alex and Mitch did. And, you know, I still liked working with him. I thought he was a good guy. We had a very good co-working relationship. And Mm -hmm. so when that news came out, you don't want to believe that somebody that you like and trust in a work sense could be capable of doing something like that. And you're just shocked and it's just, and horrified that this stuff, you know, could have happened and so I thought like the first few episodes where she kind of had all of these emotions like from my experience in a similar situation that Mm -hmm. seemed really like kind of authentic to me because yeah I mean it's terrible that it happened he shouldn't have done it he should be prosecuted but you're just like oh my god I didn't think that somebody I knew and liked was capable of that
0: because it falls kind of into that whole like well you say weird shit I mean I'm not saying that the person you know does but like Mm -hmm. Mitch says weird shit that's like you're just like okay you're kind of like and we see that more in episode eight with the flashback where you're just like that's icky but you see people sort of the women especially you see them tolerating it because it's not an environment where they feel I took the sense they didn't feel supported so they're gonna tolerate it and put up with it Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: I you know I can't speak for, oh, I guess kind of you shared that, but like, I feel like I've been in that situation too, where you're just like, Mm -hmm. but you don't say anything because you're just like, if I say something, then I'm the raging bitch in the room who can't be,
1: is difficult to work with. Right. (sighs) Nobody wants that label no yeah jesus it's so much worse for women than Mm -hmm. for men like we're labeled difficult at the drop of a hat but in that episode they did the flashback it was mitch's 50th birthday and martin short is this big director and he brings like the heads in and they're singing a song and at one point they sang a lyric that was something like you know we don't like you if you're a bitch and they yeah. flashed on Claire's face and she was like a brand new PA at that yeah. point. And she was just kind of like, kind of did that. Yeah. And everybody else was like, ha, 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 you know, and you said before we started taping, like, hopefully Gen Z will save us. I was like, yes, you know, <laughs> like Gen Z coming in. She's like, what is, yeah. <laughs> what is this? Did they really just say like bitch and everybody's yeah. just laughing it off? Like, right. so
0: yeah. It's like the coping me- mechanisms to survive mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely. really did like Bradley and Corey's relationship too I thought that was really interesting so I really liked Corey Ellison played by Billy Crudup I love Billy Crudup almost famous <laughs> was my yeah. first exposure to him and of course I've just loved him ever since mm-hmm. but I love how he sort of played this quirky little he's fascinated by things that are not
1: typical I guess so he I feel like he Nero watching Rome burn like he just didn't even care he was just like blow it up whatever you know and I mean obviously he had motivations for hey maybe I could get the network president's job you know right but yeah he was yeah, he was fascinating to watch.
0: <laughs> he really was. And then when they threw in that bit about how he was raised by a single mom, I was like, all right, you guys, now you just steal the deal that I love this guy. <laughs> and he became super, you know, successful in life because there's always these narratives that single moms can't raise successful kids. But fun fact, we single moms raise a lot of really successful kids. Um, mm-hmm. Barack Obama. Uh, <laughs> right. all- um, yeah. and so the fact that he's drawn to Bradley and it's just like really appreciates because they're kind of similar in the sense of like, she's so determined to seek the truth and expose the truth that she also doesn't really care about blowing shit up. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of get along in that way. But I thought it was interesting how they there's that potential for their relationship to be perceived as being more because they're in these like they kind of get into these scenarios that if you're on the outside, you would think, oh, something's going on between them. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was an interesting technique that this, that the writers sort of tied in. And I thought they did that really well.
1: Did anybody even bring that up? Because at the beginning when he kept, she was supposed to get on a plane and go back to West Virginia or wherever, but he was like, oh no, you know, come and meet Chip. And then, Hey, be my date tonight to this, you know, this Alex thing. And we'll send some dresses over to you. Nobody, nobody thought about that Mm -hmm. like you know of course alex is thinking she's going to get screwed right you know so alex is just like in the professional mindset but i'm like nobody else seemed to be like oh what are you doing here Mm -hmm. you know they they were all just thinking in the professional so that but then in the season two trailer there were some there were some scenes between those two i'm glad they got rid of her rid of her brown wig that Same. really annoyed me. <laughs> yeah. Cause it was I'm glad, bad. <laughs> I'm glad she's back to blonde. So there were some scenes between those two. So maybe that is a thing that could come up in season two.
0: I hope so. Um- Did you, do you think, so like, okay, I do want to touch a little bit on Daniel and Audra. So Daniel, so Audra's played Uh, by Mindy Kaling. Daniel mm -hmm. is played by, I forget, Deshaun. I forget his last name, but he's, I was like, can we get more Deshaun? And then as I was reading, you know, more criticisms of the show, a lot of people felt like the characters of color didn't really get as much attention Mm -hmm. as some of the other characters. And part of me was like, well, the show's about Alex and Bradley, so I can understand that. But I thought the storyline with Daniel and Audra, could have been more because mm-hmm. Audra's the co host or the host over at another network. And she, I love that. Min, first of all, I love that Reese Witherspoon was allowed to use her southern accent. Like, that's my favorite <laughs> when she gets to speak in her natural dialect. But two, I love that Mindy Kaling was like, had no problem coming in and being like the brown girl ball buster when it comes to like race issues. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> So she starts courting Daniel, like how long are you going to sit behind and wait for these white people to like, see that you've Mm -hmm. done a good job. Like I see that you're doing a good job now, come work for me now. I thought that could have been more developed because in the end, when this big thing happens that we'll talk about later, he decides to no longer like pursue whatever that is happening. But I, I didn't feel like they showed us enough of Daniel and Audra to make that big reveal in the end more impactful and I thought that was a disservice to their storyline.
1: Yeah definitely it would have been nice to see and maybe it has something to do with the Mindy Kaling conflict or something since she was pretty busy there for a while because she really was putting the hard sell on him in that restaurant scene where she was trying to get him to jump ship and so that would have been great if they could have had like some drinks or something later or she could have even or if
0: we see him talking with his manager or his agent or whatever it is you know something more on his storyline of the conflict right we see chip telling him just hang in there buddy like we're gonna make this happen Mm -hmm. and then alex is like hey you know we're gonna get rid of badly so now we're gonna pick you but that's an episode nine so it's you know from one through seven we don't really we see him being brushed off Mm-hmm. but then the show also the show itself is brushing him off and that just yeah. felt don't give us the storyline that we could potentially relate to because you know as what there's the layer of being a woman so you're just kind of always overlooked for stuff mm-hmm. and then you know coming from the perspective of being a person of color then there's that other layer because he has this speech about how like he's done everything right he did all the things and then they still tell him don't be intense and don't do this and don't do that and mm-hmm. all these things because chip is telling him you know you got to play the game to get it. And he's like, man, I've been fucking playing the game from the jump. Like stop telling me to play the game. I've earned it. When is Uh my time? But that's like the most emotion we get to see from him. We don't see Mm -hmm. him battling the, should I leave? Should I not leave? TMS
1: is my family, but then this, and you Mm -hmm. know, it just didn't feel like enough to me right after Bradley was announced to be starting Monday they did show her in the control room at the end of like the Saturday show that was hosted by Daniel and uh, Yanko. And then what was the name of the lady? Oh, I forget
0: her name. She's not really a lot in it either. And I felt like that was kind of a disservice
1: too. I know, I'm like- I'm seriously trying to think did she actually have any lines like I can't even remember if she spoke very (laughs) few
0: because they're in the flashback episode Mitch makes a comment about at her and am I old enough for you yet and she's like not yet a couple more years yeah and I was like (sighs) I understand why she's saying that because she's trying to bat him away yeah Uh but like like it she didn't she wasn't allowed to be anything more than like this beautiful sexy woman
1: right and at the end of the Saturday episode, Yanko says something like, oh, and your Monday forecast, like Hurricane Bradley coming at you. And then like, as soon as they cut, they still have mics that the control room can hear. And Daniel says, people only like hurricanes when they're white women or something like that. <laughs> and, and Bradley goes, well, yeah, he's right. And I was like, that character would never have that kind of self-awareness to agree with that statement like at least not the way she was presented in the first like three or four episodes right like she thought out like toward the end and they tried to soft pedal her a little bit and be like oh she's not really like a hardcore conservative she's more libertarian and I'm like but the first three episodes like I was hate watching it by episode three because her (laughs) character was so horrible and I'm sorry to derail I don't mean to derail Daniel to get back to like the white lady but like it would have been nice to see more of like I understand why he can't because he's like a gay black man and you don't want to have that perception of you know he's going to be out of control and be angry or whatever right. but like it would have been nice to like you said see more of that
0: kind develop. of snarkiness
1: and bitterness yeah. and like just develop him more and like would that guy really still stay at the morning show after everything he put up with like right. I don't know you how
0: know. cut like how cut I don't even know this how cutthroat is morning tv you know you've got your big three but then there's also all of the local networks too uh-huh. and I don't know about where you are but where we are I our Sacramento network has cycled through a lot of people in the last five years
1: oh really oh wow yeah, and I got like-
0: really attached to one of the gals and then she was like one day she was like I'm going to DC and I was like but I
1: love you. Oh no. (laughs) She doesn't know I love her, but I loved her. Well, especially on like the networks, like people get those jobs and they stay there forever. Like Matt Lauer was there for 20 years and Katie Couric was there for 20 years. And like, even I think Michael Strahan now has been there on GMA for a while. It's been like five or eight years since the whole Kelly mess. So (laughs) they get those chairs and they do not give them up have to literally do a scandalous thing to be removed
0: (laughs) (laughs) great you know (laughs) so Marsha Gay Harden is on the show and she plays Mm -hmm. Maggie Brenner and I love how she kind of would come in and sort of stir the pot but she was kind of that thread that we needed to understand just how in, like just how all the the all of the dynamics work because they've all worked together they all came up together they all, all did these things like the president of the network is the one who gave her her first big story that broke her but then like she also has this loyalty to like chip in a way because they've worked together for so long and so i thought her placement in the show was really interesting and how she gets this story that she wants to investigate she gets a tip and so she's kind of like to Corey. she says i need you to understand this is a big thing this is a big accusation because this guy whatever his name is. I haven't written down. We're not there
1: yet, but I can't remember the (laughs) president of the the thing. Oh, Fred Micklin,
0: Fred Micklin. See, I hate him so much. I can't remember his name. (laughs) You know, he's kind of a BFD in the business. And so I just thought she was a really interesting, the way that like she and Alex clearly had respect for each other, but then also they don't because they hate Mm -hmm. each other. Right. (laughs) And I thought it was interesting how Alex tried to use Maggie to try and like spin cuz they're going to do that she's going to do this big profile for those of you listening if you haven't seen the show. Maggie Brenner gets brought in to do this big profile on on Bradley Jackson, Reese Witherspoon's character because she literally came from nowhere. <laughs> like right. She's had this spotty career, she's been in the business for 15 years and doesn't have anything solid which I don't know if that's like true or not because who, you know, I don't I'm not mm-hmm. in the news industry that way. But then they're like, we're going to do all this publicity on her. And so Alex invites her to the part to the fundraiser and then tries to like work Maggie in a way. And then Maggie <laughs> calls her out on it, which I love right. because she's yeah. like, no, you're not going to turn this into some feminist pop piece for me. Like, this is going to be a, a really good profile.
1: Mm-hmm. So, one of the things that did bother me about this also is that they kept seeming to think that morning shows are hard news and yeah. morning shows are not hard news They're like not hard news. I mean you can you know do the segment on the private firefighters keeping the homes of the rich people in Malibu like from being you know, burned down but right. most of what people want is like cooking segments and you know fall fashion and stuff like that so that was kind of an annoyance to me but like Maggie, I thought was good. Like, you know, she's been there. She's seen it all. Like she's not going to get cowed by these guys. And then there was the scene with the New York Times on, I forgot about that scene on the conference call with, uh, I guess the lawyers for the network, but then Fred Micklin and Corey Ellison are listening in and, uh, they're saying, look, we're going to run this story. You know, we have these sources and, you know, Corey and Fred are texting the lawyers, like, hey, tell them, we'll give them a quote, you know, if they'll leave out this quote. Mm. And so then, you know, you go back and forth on that. And then the times is like, no, screw you. We're running, you know, we're running the quote, you know, we're not going to bury anything. And I was like, this is what, (laughs) this is what journalism, like, you know, really should be. So I I did enjoy that. Like, you know, the Maggie character. And then even though the times people only showed up in like a couple couple episodes but mm-hmm.
0: yeah. it was to go on to touch on the fire thing i thought that was interesting because they send both of them out to cover the fire and this concept of hard news right so to bring back morning glory harrison ford's character was like a hard-hitting news journalist who was like the, he was like the walter cronkite of his era for news mm-hmm. and he refi- he made a comment about how morning shows just puff trash garbage it's beneath him he's not going to do it And then, and then he tried, he rejected anything that wasn't a hard hitting news story to be on that story. So flash forward to the morning show and the fires in California, which let's just be honest. It's the whole season is like from like April to like November at this point in California, especially in Southern California. And I thought it was interesting how the morning show presented that because they send both of the anchors out and in morning show TV, from what I can recall, Covering our fires, they always send somebody else. Like the oh. big guys, never get flown out to. Uh-huh. In my, from what I can remember, somebody could write in and tell me I'm wrong. It's usually the nighttime TV. Like David Muir's come out a couple times because clearly I'm I'm indoctrinated by Disney
1: because I watch ABC <laughs> News.
0: Um, but like I
1: love David Muir, he's awesome. So yeah. he is awesome,
0: <laughs> and he's beautiful. So thank you. So that, I thought that was an interesting call because then there's this scene where Alex and. Bradley they're trying to figure out like we need to end on something light because these deva- these fires are devastating and then so they find this guy who rescues dogs so they're talking yeah. to him and then Alex loses her shit because in the backstory we find out that like her husband wants a divorce
1: and like all these things are happening to her and it's terrible. I feel like that's a thing like you might send your weatherman to do because that's a weather event so mm-hmm. they'd probably send Yanko but then you lose the the framing device of like, well, now this is going to bring them closer. And, yeah. You know, yeah. Get so. these
0: girls, get these girls out of here. That's what from. Get these girls on the fire so that they can leave this. Leave this situation alone. Whatever it was that he was pissed about, I think it was the All article right. that the Times was trying to write. That and was... then he gets
1: busted because he hired <laughs> private security to protect his house or private firefighters. And that was so funny too. He goes to dinner with Maggie, and she's just like, "Wow, that took courage for you to kill that story about the private firefighters and to not kill like, it, or okay. to not kill it." And he's like, "Oh well, yeah. I mean, it's the news. What are you going to do?" And then, like later in that episode of the the following one, he's just he rips into Chip and. <laughs> Yeah, like, you I told have you to kill that, that story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hate this guy so much. I mean, that's the news business right there. Like everybody just, you know, stabs you in the back while they smile to your face, right? So Yeah.
0: <laughs> As we mentioned before in episode 8, it's a flashback episode. Mitch's 50th birthday is a few days away and plans are being made Everyone seems happy. We really get insight in this episode and how Mitch fits into the show. After Mitch's birthday celebration, reports of a shooting in Las Vegas start to come in. Chip makes the decision to send both Alex and Mitch to cover. Hannah, who is a junior booker at this time, is sent as well. Mia gets left behind, which we didn't really touch on Mia yet, so we can talk more about her in this part. Episode eight is a real shift in the show. It gives the audience insight into how Mitch fits into the TMS family. Until this point, we had only heard accounts from others. Now with this firsthand view of Mitch, we are seeing everything from, oh, I think it's an objective point of view. In a piece posted on the digital spy titled, the morning show mishandles its most important theme on me too. Writer David Opie states, While it makes sense for Mitch to play a role in the pilot, thereby setting up what's to come, the curious decision to keep following his story after the firing is perhaps questionable for a show where the Me Too movement is key. He goes on to say, while it's cathartic to see Levy confront him at the end of the pilot, scenes where we watch Mitch break down in tears or smash his home up in a blind rage seem muddled at best. Are we supposed to feel sorry for him? Are we supposed to find it funny when he loses control? So was the decision to include Mitch in the storyline as much as he was relevant to the overall story or does it do what the digital spy suggests and mishandles the theme on me too?
1: Like I said, I disliked Reese Witherspoon's character so much. And then so much attention was paid to Steve Carell's character and He was just like a cartoon villain because he was spouting like all the, no, it was consensual. They wanted it, you know? And he was just like, so whiny baby. Yeah. And I was just like, this show is going to be a satire because like, there's no other reason to explain why we're getting so much of him and he's such a cartoon villain but then they did like they did kind of try to make it go in, like a well maybe it was consensual direction even though Mm -hmm. in like the first or second episode he had like the rape button on his desk like locks the door yeah, and I was like, "There's no, there's no coming back from the rape." Right First button. of all, like,
0: who green lights that to be installed? Like, I don't right? care how big of a star you are, somebody needs to be like, "Why do you need that on your door?" That's right. suspect.
1: Yeah, but totally. again, an environment where maybe you don't feel safe enough to speak up. Right, like some some kid who changes locks. You yeah, know, who makes like twelve bucks an hour. Like right again I felt like at the end like you know the late episodes like eight nine and ten when they were like working to bring him down like I was definitely like okay if it had been more like this the rest of the season and we could have seen like actively trying to root out misconduct and Mm -hmm. abuses in the workplace and not made him such like a whiny baby like you said like you know maybe that would have been okay but and then he's going to be in season two like he's in the season two trailer and I'm like no his storyline should have ended at episode 10 when like it's all over like everybody admitted they knew everything and now there's no redemption for him and he should be done he needs to be done yeah and now season two should be the show coming back from the ashes and rebuilding in the wake of this horrible scandal but I'm like but he's in it so I'm like why why do Mm -hmm. we need him in it like and I didn't even think he was I'm not a huge Steve Carell fan. I feel like he's the same in everything. And I didn't even mind him in this. I thought he was really good at being like, insidious Mm -hmm. and you know i was actually like the eighth episode i was like really impressed with him and but i'm like no we don't need him he's done
0: he has a relation well you can't really call it a relationship with hannah i interpreted it as he was grooming hannah to do whatever he wanted but he had a relationship with mia um Mm -hmm. who was one of the producers for the show and so we find out i forget at which point we find out that he that she wanted him to leave his family. And cause he's married with two kids. Um, he's married to the woman who plays the teacher in Matilda, Mrs. Um, Miss. Um, oh Ooh. my God, I can't remember her name, but like the happy teacher anyway. And then that actress yeah. has done a ton of other things too. Like she was on Mad Men for a couple episodes and she's got, and she, she looks. Was,
1: they gussied her up just like Matt Lauer's wife too. Like oh. with the short brown hair, yeah. and like tall and willowy. And I was like, mm, okay she knows he's a cheater. This isn't the first time.
0: So when Mia shows up and then Mitch decides that this is, I can't leave my family. This is not what we agree. So they break up and then he starts retaliating against her in the sense of like, he wants her off his team, put him on Alex's team. And then we have this blow up fight where Alex is like, I know I'm not cleaning up his fucking messes again. Like this is bullshit. Like she's not on my team. Let Mitch deal with his shit. Mm Mm-hmm. Then we have this flashback episode. So we know that Hannah's like a new wish. She's a junior booker. And so she's kind of new. I took it as she was kind of new in the industry. I don't know if that was the intention. And Mm -hmm. so... The person who is the booker before her, that's the senior booker or whatever, who yeah. was on Gilmore girls, ladies and gentlemen. And if you've been listening <gasps> to the show long enough, you know that I can draw everything back to Amy Sherman Palladino and the Gilmore girls. <laughs> so there's our morning show connection to Gilmore girls.
1: Oh, man. Um, <laughs>
0: He, he plays like this cranky character when Rory gets to Yale and they're on the newspaper together. So I thought it was funny that he's playing news TV. Anyway, he, you know, they, Mitch is like, fuck that guy. Don't call that guy. Bring Hannah. Hannah has been doing great. So I didn't see, not that I'm saying we need to see it because I don't want this shit normalized, but we don't, he acts like he gave her hit her big break. Mm -hmm. That's like the tone for Mitch a lot which is really, like, I just want to fucking smack him every time he acts like he gave somebody Mm -hmm. their big break. It's like, no, you took advantage of them. So- he says when the whole mandalay bay thing happens you know fuck whatever the booker's name is bring hannah along and then that's sort of his premise for all of the rest of his relationship with her into the show and then and not just like in episode eight but for the rest of the show and he kind of preludes that too, like he kind of alludes to that too in the beginning where he's just like well yeah when bradley's thinking about interviewing he's like oh, i have somebody i can who can corroborate my story she owes me blah blah mm-hmm. and he's just like I I knew it wasn't going to be Mia that he was talking about. So I mm. thought, I wonder if it is Hannah or someone else that we haven't met yet. There's a scene between he and Martin Short before episode eight. And you get the sense mm. that Martin Short really is a dirtbag character. And mm. Mitch is like, believes that he's not this guy so to me it kind of felt. so the first time I watched it I was like enough with Steve Carell I don't give a fuck about this guy like he's harmful the second time I watched it I'm thinking are they trying to give us insight in the inner workings of the way these people think is that the point because Mm -hmm. all I'm seeing is a deluded man right (laughs) who thinks that he's done all these wonderful things and doesn't understand why everyone's
1: attacking him right It's not just the one time. Like he and Hannah, you know, there was the one night in Vegas. And I mean, when you work with somebody, obviously it's not over. But then yeah, he just like lorded it over her, you know. The whole time. And
0: she's so upset the next time the within the days, and then goes to the head of the network and is like, This is what this she doesn't say this is what happened, but she's so emotional Mm -hmm. she can't get it out. So then what's his face is like? how would you like to be head booker? We've heard great things about you. No, you didn't like, you, your you don't even know this chick's name. Yes. <laughs> right. Like, it's no, right. you did not like, Oh, you know, that this is Mitch has a pattern of behavior and this is the way that you handle it. And that's icky. And now I hate uh-huh. you more Fred Micklin. That's his name.
1: <laughs> yeah and Gugu I hope that's how you say her name she was great in that scene like she was just like on the edge of exploding and just the eyes filled with tears like mm-hmm. in, in that scene with uh Tom Irwin who I will always love for my so-called life um <laughs> yeah like she was great in that scene and yeah. Tom Irwin is a very good sleazeball too like he was great in his role as well but yeah but yeah Gugu was that scene was amazing from her
0: and I, I I don't think that she got recognized by any award show for her performance because she was um, a minor character on the show. But I honestly mm-hmm. think that somebody needs to give this woman a standing O because doing scenes that emotionally intense with really, really heavy topics, like girl, I hope she had some self-care stuff going on, on, on in the wake of those of shooting those
1: because that's a lot. No, that's really like hard. Me sitting on my couch watching it, tense her Mm -hmm. actually doing it even though it's fake you know you're still having to physically go through that and you're having to portray those emotions and yeah I hope she went to like a spa for like a week after that scene because she deserved it
0: and you just feel it with her like you feel like it just was so I actually thought they did that scene really well in the sense of being able to portray just how like frozen somebody gets to Mm -hmm. and then like how they don't know how to navigate out so they just kind
1: of shut down to cope yeah which is another thing back in the day nobody could understand that well if you know she was really being assaulted why didn't she scream why didn't she scratch him with her nails you know like you know the- some
0: people have emotional responses that are shutting down right and and I like that it's now creating this conversation for people to kind of see the nuances that go into this type of working environment that does foster predatory behavior because it is really hard it is really scary and not everybody's response is going to be the same like if Claire had been in a similar situation, the outcome would have been different, but they're so different. Hannah and Claire are so different in every single way. I also really loved their relationship as friends. Mm -hmm. I thought they were really sweet and Hannah's actions, you know, because of the situation that happened in Las Vegas, when Hannah finds out that Yanko and Claire are dating, she... I don't want to say overreacts because for her, it's not overreacting because she's coming from a place of where she was Mm -hmm. abused. So, Mm -hmm. you know, where she, so, so where am I going with this? I felt like, again, another opportunity where it was like, you don't really see as much of the grooming of Hannah that is there that would suggest that he, but then also much, not that I want to see her groomed, but you know, it, it's hard to sort of defend, it's hard for Claire to defend herself because we see so much of Claire and Yanko and their relationship Mm -hmm. develop. And you can see that it is a true relationship and Yanko's like paranoid.
1: yeah. (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah. (laughs) But all we get are these glimpses of Mitch doing sort of subtly things. So there's not a lot of Mm -hmm. buildup for the execution. And and, Mm -hmm. and on the one hand, I'm like, thank you for not showing a ton of buildup because that one scene is really hard to watch. But then at the same time, there's no... um, one through seven, there just wasn't a lot of development to get through, to get to eight and through 10. It mm-hmm. felt like a really long, slow story telly, storytelling, mm-hmm. to get to these really big,
1: good episodes. And so there's pieces right. for me that are missing. Right. Because they had so many other storylines. You've got Alex's negotiations with the network. You've got Alex's marriage falling apart. You've got Bradley and all of her drama. You've got Corey Ellison coming in and just, you know doing whatever he's doing. Being Corey you got, Ellison. You know, yeah, totally. You've got Chip, you've got uh, Fred Micklin, you've got like all this other stuff, you know, like you've got to cram in yeah. to these 60 minutes. I wish we could redo one through seven and yeah. kind of like, Like you said, like streamline it because the last three episodes were like so good. With the Bradley stuff,
0: they kind of went through a lot of stuff because too, not just as their brother has an addiction problem, he like their dad also like murders a kid, and Bradley's the one who turns him in. And you know, then there's stuff with the mom who is Grace Under Fire, which anybody who watched that show you'll be that was no, that was Brett Butler. Uh huh.
1: Oh my God, I didn't even recognize (laughs) Yeah.
0: Whoa, I was oh, like, why oh, wow. does this woman's voice sound so familiar and kind of like you know, I'm back into like 1997
1: <laughs> and <laughs> it's Grace Under Fire? I probably should have looked this up. But the guy who played Bradley's brother is he the guy from town who maybe <sighs> was the baby daddy who got revealed right at the end of the series?
0: That's a really good question. Because
1: he looked so familiar and I meant to look it up in the I He forgot, does look
0: really familiar too. Even the yeah. second time I was like, why do I know this person? So I guess I would say episodes eight through 10 weren't a mishandling, but mm. getting to that point was a mishandling. So I kind of feel 50, 50 about that statement. And yeah. it's such a delicate topic because it's so, again, relationships are nuanced. Relationships are complicated. There's action. It's just such a complicated narrative to tell. And I think Mm -hmm. it's opening the door for more complex stories like this to be told because I was reading an article, Carrie Mulligan is going to be in a film about the Harvey Weinstein situation. Oh. And it's set to release in 2022. So would that movie have been made if The Morning Show didn't try to tackle the topic?
1: Right. Maybe it would have been better if it had been a movie instead of a series. mm -hmm. Like, because then you've only got say two and a half to three hours where you have to but then then are you going to be able to get the flash vaccines to vegas like then are right. you gonna you know i don't know like if if they had had like a time limit maybe they could have
0: if they know. had started the show with episode opened to the show with episode eight yeah and then flashed forward yeah. And did the whole, you know, Alex, everyone finds out. And then maybe that would have changed the structure enough to be able to have more development to get to that point. I understand revealing everything in episode eight is kind of important because they, because you don't fully understand why Mitch is like, you get it. Like he's a bad guy, but the way mm-hmm. they talk about him yeah, and sort of idolize him mm-hmm. in a sense, not everyone, but like, when they have these private conversations you know yeah I get it Mitch is a great guy too like I don't understand blah blah, blah. but we all knew mm-hmm. that he was doing bad stuff was mm-hmm. kind of the narrative
1: yeah I wish the first few episodes had a. Enough... and I understand too why you show this guy who's for 15 years had his ass kissed and been allowed to do whatever he wants with mm-hmm. no consequences at all now there are consequences and so I understand you showing him like beating his giant flat screen tv with a golf club you know I you know I imagine that's probably a very similar reaction that a lot of people who are suddenly having to face consequences are gonna have you know so I I get that but then the next few episodes he was such a cartoon villain and they leaned so hard into like well did he or didn't he even with the rape button so it's like I don't and I didn't like how
0: much Alex reached out to him for comfort. Yeah. That really bothered me because yeah, totally. you're trying to save face Alex. And that's not, again, not helpful because one, everybody has a cell phone. So how'd you not get caught? Um, and two, <laughs> so I will yeah. never be convinced that
1: celebrities can't get caught. Like she, she breaks into his house and she's like, Oh, I just had my, when like right after he gets fired. So like all the, you know, news people are in the front, but she's like, Oh, I had my driver like drop me off around back. I'm like, really like nobody's out back thinking maybe he might try to sneak out and (laughs) paparazzi will do anything and then she leaves she just walks out the front door and it looks like it's a huge estate so he must have been in like Westchester or Jersey because like Mm -hmm. when they first showed his house I thought they were in the Hamptons okay then his wife comes downstairs and she's like I'm taking the kids and going to the Hamptons and I'm like (laughs) where are you then? Because yeah. you're not in Queens. You know? <laughs> you're not in Manhattan. Like, where are you? So, but yeah, so she just walks out the front door and I'm like, but there's news people right there. Like, right. So why I- did you, <laughs> so there's a, there's a, there's a little flaw.
0: Somebody didn't catch while we were filming. She shouldn't have walked out the front door. Cause all the news people were there. Same with chip. When chip shows up to have a conversation with them too, he just pulls right up to the front of the house. And I'm thinking he's still not in headlines. Like, I feel like I feel like these types of stories sort of are big, longer than a lot of other stories, like big enough Mm -hmm. that, you know, news outlets are sort of posted in front of your places of
1: dwelling. Right. Totally. Can I just say, I thought, I don't know if you want to get to him, but I thought Mark Duplass was awesome. I loved him. I, I shouldn't, he made me feel sympathy for a character I should not feel sympathy for at all because he fostered that environment, you know, he's just going along to get along. And maybe it's because I worked in the news business for a long time. So I know a lot of people who are just, you know, like do whatever, I don't care, you know, just get it done, you know, like, but he was so great at that. And it turns out at the end that he's the one who originally leaked the Mitch investigation to the times because he knew they were going to try to get rid of Alex and right. he thought if they get rid of Mitch because they have to they'll be forced to keep Alex and I'm like I a, thought like Chip and Alex get together in season two because oh my god that would be amazing he
0: clearly <laughs> loves her like I love yeah. that you bring that brought up uh, Chip and I feel I'm sorry we didn't talk about him sooner because Mark first of all Mark Dublas, we love yes. you but that scene like I the fir- second time too I watched it, I was like Oh my God. Like you have caring feelings for Alex and you have this sort of protective mode, um, when it comes to her and you didn't, you didn't want to see her go down. And I kind of love that. Cause so often, I mean, it was kind of the whole thing's just shitty for everybody. Not, I right. mean, get her like her whole contract negotiation, Situation's really shitty because mm-hmm. she's been there for fifteen years. Like, where's the loyalty? But I guess there is no love right. loss when it comes to the networks. Yeah. And so when he, so often we don't have advocates in the room for us. Right. Even though mm-hmm. this is a shitty situation, I do appreciate that he was like, "This is how I can advocate for Alex." Right. Totally.
1: That was Take down Mitch. <laughs> that was. It was kind of funny at the end when he like confronted. Mitch and he was like I'm the one who linked it to the times and they're like fighting in mm-hmm. the lobby of Mitch's building and they're like rolling around and punching each other and it almost reminded me of like Aiden and big yeah fighting on the yes! farm and sex in the city and Carrie is like you're middle-aged you know yeah. <laughs> it almost reminded me that.
0: that's so funny And I thought that not, was
1: a- not as funny obviously but yeah
0: yeah, yeah. he assumed like Mitch's assumptions in a lot of ways, right? Chip shows up, Chip's been fired. He, but they're still moving forward with the Bradley interview and in, that he is aware of. So Chip shows up and Mitch's oh, he's
1: so nice for you to show up. I don't need an escort. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> the arrogance. Yeah. Like all those guys who are like, oh yeah. So, you know, whatever, like I can just come back, like, you know, and consequences are not a thing they've ever had to deal consequences with before
0: be damned this is just a right. phase it's gonna end no right. guys women are angry because we're tired of oppression <laughs>
1: Right. Totally. Like you need to go sit in the corner and think about what you did. Yes. Even his accountant, even Mitch's accountant was like, okay, so you got fired for the morals clause. So they're like, they're not going to pay out your contract. And you know, you've got the house in the Hamptons and you've got the apartment in the city and you've got the giant house in Jersey or whatever, and you're going to have child support and spousal support and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, with no money coming in, you can sustain your current level of spending for two years. And I was like, (gasps) Yeah, <laughs> like so, you're still facing no consequences. Like, right, you know, right? You're gonna have to sell, you know, the Hamptons house. You're gonna have to like, yep. do a lot of downsizing. You know, right? <laughs> oh my god, you're still facing no consequences. Ugh, like, like, I can't sustain my spending for two months. You know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: you know, like, right. Need it coming in. You know. Right. <laughs> So season two will be available beginning September 17th on Apple Plus, which at this time requires a subscription. Season one ended with a little bit of a bang and left loads of questions for me, particularly when it ends I was like the fuck (laughs) like I literally was like the fuck and my dog perked up because she's like what's wrong mom to sum it up quickly at the start of and we've touched on a lot of this stuff already but I'm gonna I'm gonna sum it up real quick at the start of episode 10 we know there's an internal investigation that will be damning for Chip this internal investigation is going on the entire series Claire and Hannah had a fight about Claire's relationship with Yanko Audra has been courting Daniel to jump to jump ship to her show. Bradley agreed to interview Mitch on TMS and plotted with Corey and Chip to make that happen because Alex was against it. Alex had made a deal with Fred Micklin, the president of the network, to fire Bradley. Fred tells Alex he's firing Chip, and then when it's announced to the crew, so to add to that, Bradley interviews Hannah because he, Mitch says Hannah's the one that can co- corroborate his story. So that's part of episode nine we have to relive this with hannah because she's telling bradley so when it's announced to the crew that chip has been fired and a new ep is starting that very same day claire's been promoted from pa to bradley's assistant so she calls bradley to inform her that hannah is dead bradley is devastated she feels responsible for hannah's death and she leaves the studio alex is in shock the two come together to an agreement after much fighting on the streets of Manhattan (laughs) that Bradley will stay for one more day. Again, like, how are people not recording them fighting? I don't understand. (laughs) They compose themselves and head back to the stage to begin the show, but Alex can't keep her composure. So then they quickly agree to expose the network and Fred for creating an environment that protects predators. Then the feed gets cut and the show is over. So my first thought to discussion is, do we believe that any of Alex and Bradley's reporting on what happened actually made it to air? Because there's this big scene where they start talking and then Fred's like, what are they doing? And starts running. And then, you know, the new EP is like cut it to this and Corey's like, keep running. And then they lock the doors to the control room and it's this whole thing. And I'm like, so then when they do that cut to like
1: the the color bars and the noise, I was like, did any of it actually air? I think it did because I want it to also because you know even though I know he's in the same building and he's probably getting the raw feed without the commercials and stuff so it could have cut to the color bars on what we see mm-hmm. and he could have still been seeing it he wouldn't have freaked out and like gone running downstairs if it wasn't really cool. on the air mm-hmm. you know I mean because even them just getting it on tape like you know that tape's gonna get leaked yes so. Yeah, so even if it had cut to the color bars for what we see, they're still taping, that tape's going to get leaked. So I want it to be true that it aired, but also for the season two. Yeah, to the season two trailer, there's a voiceover that says, last week, uh, Alex Levy and Bradley Jackson revealed on air the years of cover-up by the UBA brass or whatever. So I'm like, okay. (laughs) I think it's something to that effect, not those exact words, but I'm like, Alex Levy left the show and, you know, Bradley's still there, I guess, but she's gone yeah. now. So I think, I think it did. What about, what about you?
0: I think, so I think that it did, but I'm, I would love to, I would love to I'm choosing to believe that the point where we see the color bars is the point that it get we see everything to that point. So what we Mm -hmm. saw is what the audience saw that's watching TMS because it gets pretty intense. I mean, Jennifer Aniston's just kind of, I mean, very (laughs) Rachel Green mannerisms, if we're going to be honest, (laughs) but she's just having this, like she's having crisis because Hannah's overdosed and there's this, we don't know. It's not confirmed whether her overdose was intentional because throughout the series, we see her taking prescription medication and drinking. And then once we kind of find out, and at first I thought, oh, this is because the industry is crazy. Like I work in a 24 hour industry. So Mm -hmm. I understand the need. We got a lot of people who drink energy drinks and I wish they wouldn't. So at first I'm thinking that. So then when we find out what happens in episode eight, I realized, oh, she's coping. She needs- She needs actual therapeutic interventions to help with these demons that are inside of her. So she's Mm -hmm. coping with prescription medication and alcohol, and that's very unhealthy. And I just wanted to grab her from the screen and hug her and be like, girl, let's talk. Let's get you some help. Back to my point. Alex is just sort of pacing and walking around and panicking. And Bradley Jackson's just sitting there like, and today in the news and all these things. And we have this news (laughs) happening. And then she's like, Alex is like, hey get on me. We're going to talk to the people and Alex and Bradley's like are we doing this? Because
1: yeah. like I'm, I'm ready to I'm, do this. Yeah,
0: I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, totally. It was it was just so it's just so wild.
1: And poor chips walking down, <laughs>
0: down the street watching
1: it on. It's like right. okay, <laughs> I anyway. almost hope that the season two premiere is like the immediate aftermath yes like you know it cuts to the color bars from what we see mm-hmm. but then like the audience shows Fred Micklin running into the control room and freaking out and, like Corey and Chip and yeah you know and the people on the set you know like I I really hope that that's the premiere yes I don't think that's going to be the premiere they're probably going to flash forward like a year and now Alex is in exile because she quit and stuff yeah like I would love to see the fallout of that
0: so that leads us into one of our final questions one of our final discussions we saw the season two trailer what do we want to see in season two compared to what we will think will actually happen in season two (laughs) I'm with you I want them to pick up where they left off I think that would be a good move
1: I just really hope Steve Carell is maybe in the first episode, like connected. maybe he, I, we don't yeah. need any more of him. He needs yeah. to be done. So maybe show up in the first episode to like sign the paperwork with the network or whatever you got to do. And then, cause that whole season was only like two weeks if, if it was taking place in real time. Cause yeah. like, I guess when, when did Bradley start on the morning show? Like maybe, maybe see episode three might've been her first day. And that was a Monday. Yeah. And then like the fu- episode 10 was like the following Friday. So, like, right. So much happened in that two weeks. Yeah. So, you know, so, it, like, yeah. He could, he could still have to go deal with the lawyers or whatever, and then be like, you know, all right, you know, see you around and then right. peace out. And then the rest of the season is picking up the pieces. And
0: because, because yeah. uh, Juliana Margulies is coming in and I love her, not just because oh. of ER, but the good wife is an amazing <laughs> show. <laughs>
1: See, I I was kind of nervous about that because of the whole thing with her and Archie Panjabi on The Good Wife, mm. like not getting along. And I was just like, ooh, is this going to be some behind the scenes strife maybe right. that might happen and throw things off. But I'm like, everybody on that set is such a pro. Like, I don't yes. know if that would like she's one of many she's not the so i don't know but do you think we'll
0: get more in depth on bradley's back life too because there was so much in that that i was like i need what like what you know because she reveals on air that she has this abortion on her first day she reveals that she had an abortion at 15 which was like holy shit for the morning show audience
1: That's like the most amazing act of self, self self-sabotage I've ever seen. Right? (laughs) Like like you totally inexplicably end up with this golden opportunity that so many people would kill for. And now you're sitting there, you're like, well, I had an abortion and oh, you know, I did drugs. And I'm like, yeah,
0: (laughs) what are you doing? So not that we need an explanation, but for me, I was like, is is did this happen around the same time that your dad had the car accident where he killed this kid like what
1: is going on
0: I want more of that
1: story (laughs) that was the only reason that I felt any like sympathy for that character Mm because she was like so horrible otherwise like just the horrible family dynamics and like the kind of narcissistic mom, like I can relate to that quite a bit. So Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, that sucks when you've got, regardless Mm -hmm. of what your personality is like, you know, everybody deals with their upbringing differently. And yeah, so I felt, but then you don't really want to see that at the same time. Like you don't want to see somebody just being like a huge asshole to their kids. Right. So, right. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, maybe that might be, something to delve into because yeah. you know jennifer Aniston's character got so much family backstory in season one they might right self-correct and go go that route for season two so right
0: the other thing that i think will be interesting is how maggie brenner plays into it right obviously the big question that with every they want us to be left with is how is the morning show going to come back
1: from this mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah with and daniel then-
0: Well, but then Daniel, yeah, because Daniel, we see. So that's part of my issue about his storyline and they're not being enough because we see him step outside and call his agent after the announcement of Hannah, and he's like, "The deal's off." And I'm like, "You made a deal? When did that happen?" Yeah, totally. I would have loved to have seen that because Mindy Kaling's pitch in the restaurant was so good that, Mm -hmm. like, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to assume because he keeps hanging on to that carrot of Daniel, you're next. So to to if we had seen how that unfolded for him to make that decision to leave and then knew that he was leaving, I think I would have been more shocked about him saying I'm not leaving than Mm -hmm. not last. I checked. You weren't there yet.
1: (laughs) Right. Maybe they will start like as soon as like we cut to the color bars. And then you see like that. I would love that. I wish the first three episodes would be just the immediate fallout and we get the Daniel and we get Alex resigning. And it's not just a flash forward a year into the future where it's all done. Like, Cause that
0: seems too neat and tidy to
1: me. Reese Witherspoon, call us. Like, yeah. we'll, <laughs> we'll tell you, you how to run your show. We'll help you <laughs> develop. It'll be yeah. great. <laughs> totally. I mean, you're in California. You're right there. Yeah. yeah.
0: I have screenwriting experience. <laughs> Do you think the producers of the show did a good job with the story
1: overall? You go first. <laughs>
0: I, think, I think I'm think i hit. I'm 50, 50 because mm-hmm. eight through 10 were so Good, so powerful. I think they Mm -hmm. finally hit their stride. It just one through seven could totally be redone. I think I really do believe that. I can't
1: remember exactly what it said, but there was something about the show got the green light. And then, right as they were starting to like write it or go into production, the Matt Lauer thing happened. And then it was like, oh, maybe we could focus on like a Me Too storyline as opposed to like.
0: A morning glory type thing, you
1: know, yeah, like behind the scenes office politics, stuff like that. So I wonder how much of one to seven being muddled is a result of them like Frankensteining existing Mm. scripts Mm -hmm. with new stuff that dealt with me too. Right. And you know, instead of just having like a clear from the beginning, this is the story for the season, these are all the character arcs, you know, these are all the plot points and stuff, like.
0: I did read somewhere too that the original showrunner left when they were in the process of development and then they brought in Carrie Aaron. Is that how you say it? I'm not sure. She did, oh, yeah, yeah. She did like Friday Night Lights and the
1: Bates Motel and Mm -hmm. things of that nature. So she came in later. I know there was a guy who was involved with the show. He, the Bradley Jackson was so horrible the first few episodes. I actually looked him up because I was like, they got to be setting her up for a fall. Mm-hmm. Because she's so awful. Like I know Reese Witherspoon is like one of the executive like, producers and stuff, but they got to be setting this character up for a fall. And I looked him up, and he, before he went Hollywood, he had worked for like the Clintons. Oh wow! And, like maybe Chuck Schumer and Tom Daschle and like some like big Democratic names. So I was like, all right, like <laughs> this guy, he's worked for Democrats. He's never going to let like a a really aggressive like he's totally going to set an aggressive like conservative person like right winger up for a fall and then that didn't happen so i wonder if maybe that had something to do with it too like because i think he might have left the production okay um so maybe that wasn't a way he was going to take that character and then yeah. it didn't end up because she she became much more sympathetic yeah in the end. especially
0: like, when with the situation when she's really, cause you know, she's so, she's so dedicated to the truth that I'm exhausted mm-hmm. by it. Like listen, yeah. sister, sometimes I don't need to know everything. And it got to the point where it was just like, this is stressful. And her breakdown in the beginning, when she's like yelling at that guy, I thought, I don't, I don't know a ton of news people, but the news people I do know would never break like that. You and know? she's just
1: like, Oh, I didn't know I was being taped. And I'm like, everybody in the world has a smartphone. Like You're at a protest where not only are there TV cameras, there's this in everybody's pocket and you're going to go viral if you have a meltdown like that.
0: Oh, when she's interviewing Hannah and, you know, she realizes we can't do this. We cannot tell this story. Hannah still is in the thick of her. She hasn't dealt with it. For me, that was redeeming because Mm -hmm. she realized because the whole time I'm like, when are you going to realize you can't always you can't force the truth to come out if people aren't ready because that was you know because Alex clearly wasn't ready which I'm not sympathetic to her character but so when she realizes she can't tell the story because Hannah's not ready to f- deal with the fallout mm-hmm. you know that's when that's for me when she sort of made that shift and being more likable because it's like okay god thank god you, you like get it
1: because you're gonna do more harm than good by forcing this out right and then that was like the Alex Bradley dynamic like we hate each other. We love each other. Now we hate each other. Now we love each other. That was really stressful. I was like, are you
0: guys tapping into your sisters from friends? (laughs) Right. (laughs) I am excited for season two though. And I think it'll be really interesting to see where they go. There was a lot of criticism about how they handled a a lot of critics commented about how season eight is where they really were able to pick up and get going properly and what the new characters that we know will be introduced I do hope that Corey gets
1: promoted I just love him oh my god he was the first few episodes I was just like what are you doing yeah I know I know you're like entertainment and news so which I thought was an interesting combination because aren't they typically separate divisions yeah wasn't there some line in there about the news person left for whatever reason so they kind of gave it to Corey because he was a rising star and just to have like a warm body in there and so he the first few episodes i was just like i don't know what you're doing i know news is not your baby but it clearly became his baby by the end of it (laughs) yeah i'm like and this is like paying your he he had some line in there about like it's easier to get dates if you actually have a job and i'm like so (laughs) You've got a really good job right now. So you're probably able to. You know. yeah, yeah. Oh, you mean you could open Bloomingdale's for me to do shopping? Where do I sign? Right. Totally.
0: Yeah. Oh, I can screen pilots with you before they go, before you green light them. Yeah. I want to do yeah. you.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. Sarah, it was so great to have you on the show today. Yes. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know this was a heavy topic, um, but I really appreciate you taking the time thank you so much for having me. This is so awesome. Anytime. So let's tell everyone where they can find you if they want to keep up with you online.
1: Okay. Awesome. So, uh, the website is Coco's Coco does not have an A it's COCO. It's after um, my dog. <laughs> I do, uh, like she said, reviews of like streaming movies and series on there. So for the written word, that's where you go. Um, The podcast is Coco and Daltz. We do reviews of streaming movies and series. That's on all your podcast platforms. And then on social, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, I'm the Sarah Gage, Sarah with an H. So Mm -hmm. I, right way. Yeah. I tried to do like Sarah.gage, Sarah.e.gage, and like everything was taken. So I'm like, I'm the Sarah Page. Yes. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Like I mentioned before, the morning show can be found on Apple Plus, which requires a paid for subscription. Season two of the morning show is streaming beginning September 17th. As always, you can find us on Instagram at pop culture makes me jealous. If you don't want to follow the show, you can follow me, the Julia Washington, T-H-E yes. Julia Washington. <laughs> Until next
1: time. Bye friends. Bye.